Hi! Welcome to the CJOB Sports Show podcast. On this episode, we talk about the future of the Jets and their cap situation with Murata Tesh of The Athletic. Where does Sammy Niku and Jack Rossovic fit into the situation? And how are they going to be able to afford it all? The long-term reserve? He'll explain it. We'll figure out what the plans are for high school hockey in Winnipeg with the president of the WHSHL, Dana Gordon. And then Connor McLennan of the Winnipeg Ice and the Blues. We'll talk about why he's joined the MJHL and... What it was like to get drafted by the Philadelphia Flyers, that's coming up on the podcast. And uh, seeing reports that Sammy Niku has signed a two-year deal worth $725,000 per season. And let's start with that with Murat Atesh of The Athletic. Uh, Murat, first of all, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Happy to be here. So Sammy Niku uh, signing means there's just one RFA left with the Jets. Does Niku fit into the Jets' long-term plans? You know, there's a lot of signs that say no, and yet he still should in a lot of ways. So the signs that say no are clearly the fact that even last season, when there were so many injuries, the blue line was depleted, Dustin Buffman wasn't there. Uh, you have late summer signings like Anthony Bitetto playing a big role, Lucas Spiza, waivers acquisition, Carl Dahlstrom. There was a whole lot of opportunity on the Winnipeg Jets blue line last year, and Niku wasn't really able to seize a job of his very own and keep it throughout the year. Um, and certainly uh, we all know that his, his defensive game was at one point called out a little bit by Paul Maurice during a back check that didn't go so well. So that's why I think that we should be concerned, as well as the fact that he becomes the eighth member of Winnipeg's defense signed to a contract right now. They usually run with seven. There's one too many men. Um, and then, of course, there are reasons that, he should be in the long-term plans as well. He's younger than a Lucas Pisa. He's younger than a lot of guys who are assigned to, to one-way deals that might not necessarily be around for a particularly long time. And he still has potential untapped, could be developed, all those sorts of things. Christian, that's long-winded. I think that I see reasons for both. My guess is that he's probably not in the long-term plans given how things have gone so far. Fair enough. And the fact that we, you know, a couple of years ago when he was defenseman of the year in the AHL, we thought the brightest things were to come. Who would have thought in 2020 he'd be signing a contract of the same length and value as Nelson Noje? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and, and that's no discredit to Noje, but uh, but with the award that Sami Niku won, the offense that is clearly part of his game, and, you know, even watching today, I mean, uh, you know, I, after the signing, I saw clips go around Twitter, and there is such evidence of, of wheels, of distribution, of knowing when to jump into the play. He's already demonstrated that at the NHL level. There aren't too many guys on Winnipeg's defense that have the, the speed, skill, and, and, um, and the aggression on the rush that he does. So one thinks, okay, well, you know, what's, what's left to round out in his game? And that's the defensive side of things. And in an ideal circumstance... Uh, he'd be getting that opportunity on a third pairing right now, uh, and and there'd be a lot to gain out of it, I would think, given his puck skill. It's just that there's so many people in his way uh, as of its stands today. Yeah, I didn't mean any disrespect to Nelson Noje. It's just that, yeah, the with the <laughs> award given to to Niku and the opportunities given, they're a little bit different. So this leaves the Jets, and right now he's not even really listed on their roster. If you go on to CapFriendly.com, he's listed as a non-roster defenseman, aka Manitoba Moose. The Jets have a zero cap space and one person unsigned, and that would be Jack Roslovic. I know that he's been involved in trade rumors. A- any thought on whether or not he'll be here long term? Well, the, what I've been told about Jack Roslovic 
it sort of follows the Winnipeg is a very patient organization framework that I think the Jets fans would know well going back to, you know, Jacob Truba, Evander Kane and others. And I'm not saying that Jack Rosovic is discontent or doesn't like Winnipeg or anything like that. But the, the thing that those guys all would have in common is that it was known that Winnipeg was interested in moving them and they were interested in being moved long before the deals actually got done. Uh, you know, I'm under the impression, I've been told uh, that, that Winnipeg has been exploring opportunities or options for uh, a Jack Rosovic trade market. I believe that that's something that could happen. And I think that they're listening to deals way more seriously at this point than, than at any in, in the past. I mean, I'm sure teams asked about him at previous trade deadlines. You know, Winnipeg's been shopping for second-line center help at a couple of different years. You know, I'm sure Jack Rosovic's name came up, and I'm, I'm also sure that Winnipeg said, no, there's, there's no point to that. Let's not talk about it. I think things are a little bit different in Winnipeg right now, um, and the pressure to win now is, is building. Mark Shifley, Blake Wheeler, Connor Hellebuck, four years left on their deal. Jack Rosovic, for the moment, the odd man out in terms of Winnipeg's contract situation. Look, they could easily sign him, put him in the roster, and have a very good player there and a player with upside. But I think that he's been buried behind so many people. Um, I don't think he would mind to move to a place where he'd have more opportunity. And I think Winnipeg could get you know, a meaningful asset for him, like, uh, like a second-pairing defenseman. My read on Rosovic is that he's a guy that might flourish in a higher lineup role, but just like you said, he's blocked here and there's just nowhere to put him up top. So you put him down lower where maybe he's not as well suited. Yeah, that's exactly it, isn't it? I mean, he's not going to take Kyle Connor's minutes. He's not going to take Patrick Laine's or Blake Wheeler's minutes on the right side. Nick, Nick Ehlers, same deal. Shifley, Stastny, he's buried behind six very good offensive players. And I mean, and that's been the case for the entirety of Rostovic's career, especially in his first couple of seasons where he dabbled with fourth-line minutes for a while, which is certainly not the game that you'd project him to have. I think he's completely capable of being a two-way responsible winger on that on that third line that Paul Maurice likes as a checking line with Adam Lowry and Andrew Kopp, but I don't think that that's his dream, and I don't think that that's what a, what a lot of folks would project for him either. I think the, the ultimate goal would be to be a top-six winger, contribute offensively as much as he can, and there has to be a team out there and I know that he hasn't established himself as a number two center, but he has enough offensive ability at this point. And I think even in a limited role, he's shown it, that there has to be a team out there with a little bit less depth than Winnipeg up front that thinks that it's worth a flyer to put him, you know, second line right wing or third line with a little bit more of an offensive bent than Winnipeg uses him in. And let's remember, he's turning 24 in January. He's still pretty young. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, there's all sorts of reasons I, I like this kind of conversation because everybody, you know, the question is when do players peak, right? How do they develop? When do they develop? When do they peak? And most of the data says between 23 and 28, at least from an offensive point of view in terms of how many points people put up. And then you know, there's some evidence to say that, okay, after 28, players still get smarter, even if they're not putting up as many points, they can help you defensively. But then you look at the player's situation. What kind of minutes did they get? And I'll, we'll contrast him to another 2015 draftee, Kyle Connor, arrives, plays beside Shifley and Wheeler, first line at even strength, first line at the power play, getting some PK time as well. As Kyle Connor develops as a person and a player, he'll get better, but you can't give him more minutes than he's already getting. There is no room to go up from here. Jack Roslovic, certainly not Kyle Connor's tier of offensive player or finisher, but 
you can easily say, well, okay, he can get more than 10 or 12 minutes a game. There are ways to get him more time on special teams. Um, you know, there are opportunities to give him more of a role, and you'd see a bigger boost in performance, uh, you know, than we've seen so far because he hasn't had so many of those opportunities. So even though Roslovic is unsigned, the Jets are over the cap at the moment, and they'll go further over whenever they sign Roslovic. Of course, the, I guess, unknown is the Brian Little situation. We do, we've been told that he will not play this season per doctor's recommendations. His $5.291 million contract will therefore be able to be put on long-term injured reserve. How to the, I guess in the layman's terms, how does that long-term reserve work? Yeah, it's, it's an interesting situation where the closer that Winnipeg gets to the 81.5 million cap maximum before moving little to long-term injured reserve, the more relief they get. And the idea behind this relief, especially when a player is gone for the full season as, as little will be based on the most recent news is that it's a, it's dollar per dollar. Um, it's almost like, let me put this a different way. It's almost like price is right rules where the closest you can get without going over the better of a position that you're in. So what Winnipeg would be best served to do with Brian Little and long-term injured reserve is essentially max out its cap. And yes, they've got a, a whole bunch of players. They signed Niku, they signed Harkins recently, and they're projected to be just over. But if through waivers or through moving players to minors or what have you, they can get to the end of training camp as close to the 81.5 million cap max as possible, then move Little to long-term injured reserve. They're going to get the almost the entirety of his contract in terms of a relief pool, which means that they can then go above the cap by roughly that amount. And then that, that leaves room for, you know, they're above the cap. Now we say they can sign Jack Rosovic. It's the relief pool that they're going to be able to use uh, to fit his money under the cap. Uh, if of course they do keep him as a player. Salary cap chicanery, it seems. <laughs> yeah, uh, absolutely. And, you know, there's teams that have gone through this, uh, this rigmarole, let's say uh, Toronto has flirted with it over the last couple of years in an attempt to maximize uh, the, you know, the relief pool that they have. And it's a tough road because if you enter the season under the cap, like Winnipeg usually does, it, every day that you're under the cap, you actually gain proportionately more cap space that you can use later in the season. If you make it to the halfway point in the season, if you've been a million dollars below all year long, well, that million gets prorated. You can use $2 million. You can add a player worth $2 million at that time. Long-term injured reserve money is not like that at all. The, the relief pool is that. It, it never grows. It can't be used for anything else. It's just a Brian Little-shaped, uh, you know, in terms of cap hit-shaped uh, pool that Winnipeg can exceed the cap by to, to, uh, to sign its other players doesn't get bigger. And as a matter of fact, if they're not up against the cap when, when they move him to long-term injured reserve, um, the pool gets smaller. So you're going to see Winnipeg push as close to the cap as possible before they put him on all LTI. So they will have Roslovic's contract, assuming that they've signed him. I don't see why they wouldn't. On the books, that'll put him a little bit over. Then he can move guys around, as you mentioned. But... Does this give them the opportunity to trade for someone still between now and the start of the season and be able to fit them in? Well, of course, it depends a little bit on the amount of money going out. So I anticipate that they could sign Roslovic um, at this point and still have uh, a couple of million dollars. I think most of two left under, uh, you know, in what I will project to be Brian Little's long-term injured relief cap relief. 
uh, pardon me. Um, so there's a little bit of room there, but I mean, if you're look, if you're Winnipeg and you want to upgrade, say you're a top four defenseman, you're not going to get that player for two million. So you're going to have to send a good player out. And if it's Roslovic going out, well, yes, you can take a little bit more money than than Roslovic's contract coming back in. Long way of saying it. there's going to be a lot of penny pinching, but yes, I believe they could still add. Um, and I also think that the Winnipeg Jets, if they could, um, though cap space is tight around the National Hockey League, would not mind getting out of Matthew Perot's uh, four point uh, four plus million on the on the fourth line as well to try to create some space. Yeah, Perot's deal four point one two five expires after this upcoming season, and that's proving to be a bit of an albatross for the team right now. In terms of the free agent market, obviously it's it's just ground to an absolute halt, and it didn't really last very long at all. That anyone was signing players, we saw some discount deals like Galchenyuk going to Ottawa for barely over a million dollars yesterday. Do we see the Jets signing anyone else, or would it have to be a trade at this point? Well, you know, because uh, I'm of two minds. I, I I think it would have to be a trade because I think that's how they're going about the process of trying to make their team better. Um, that said. Uh, if they can find, you know, I, I don't think they would have completely shut their doors to, to opportunities like that. The thing that, that really interests me is just how little cap space there is around the NHL. And just like you said, and that's why you're getting players like Galchenyuk for so cheap. Um, and I, I really think that by next summer, the cap won't have gone up. I mean, we know the mechanism for that is in the CBA and the revenues aren't going to be high enough for that to go up. There's a lot of money committed for next year too. I think that this this sort of, tight crunch of the of the situation that's causing such low prices and is making it hard for teams to make moves whether it's you know a small signing a medium trade like Jack Rossovic or even that Patrick Laine trade that people uh, continue to talk about as a possibility I think it's going to get worse before it gets better I think it's going to get a lot more tight before before things open up and of course there's the uncertainty of not knowing when the heck the season's even going to start (laughs) <laughs> yeah, still, still we wait, still we hope, still we want there to be hockey um, this um, this winter as soon as possible. I started talking to a couple of players uh, who are a little bit, you know, not knowing exactly when to peak for, especially AHL players who uh, are have even less information, I think, than NHL players do at this stage of the game. I mean, it's it's affecting all of us from from top to bottom of the hockey world, and and you and me as we talk about it. Absolutely, Murat. Appreciate your time as always, and uh, enjoy the off-season here. We'll check in later on. Right on. Thanks for having me, Christian. Time now for an update on what the Winnipeg High School Hockey League is up to. Will there be a 2020-21 season? How many teams will be involved? Well, here to answer those questions is the president of the WS, WHSHL, Dana Gordon. I knew it blew it. Dana, what's the dealio here? Well, we have gotten to a point now where we have uh, hit our phase three for hockey Manitoba approval to uh, resume with play. We have 12 teams that are committed to running, uh, being part of a season. And we are, if you look at our Winnipeg High School Hockey League website, our first set of games is set to commence on Monday, November the 2nd. And so 12 teams, what is it normally? 37. Okay, so a dramatic reduction. Very dramatic reduction, so much so that, unfortunately, any of the traditional seeding of divisions that we have done in the past is not feasible, simply because, again, we are planning to start this season. We are at the mercy still of school divisions and school administrations if they are going to choose to make changes as public health guidelines change, whether they let their teams 
uh, continue or not. We felt one division is better. And then splitting it into three divisions of four where two teams pull up and you're just playing another team for the rest of the season. So we had to sort of compromise on that piece. So is there a worry about potential imbalance in terms of the talent level or I don't know if talent level is the right term, but the competition level? Uh, well, we've got teams, we've got a complement of teams from all of our three uh, traditional divisions, Platinum, Press, and Price. Uh, they're not going to be seeing, each team isn't going to be playing each other in a traditional sense where everyone plays everybody in a round-robin format. Uh, we just don't have the ability to do that. So some teams may not see each other. Other teams uh, will. So so there is there is a chance that there's going to be some uh, imbalanced scores when, when, when games are, are concluding. But um, I think most uh, most players right now are just happy that they have a place to play, and uh, they're willing to um, they're they're willing to go and jump into this with both feet and uh, just you know get 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 the game started. So the 12 schools or 12 teams, I think St. Paul's has two teams again. St. Paul's has two teams. Yep. yep. Okay. So the, I guess 11 schools then that have decided to be a part of this, what's their uh, rationale for saying yes. When so many other schools said no. Uh, well, basically the rationale was left with uh, whether or not their administration or their school division were going to be allowing them to play. Um, many of the schools that are, have uh, have opted into play uh, are private schools, uh, so they went through their headmasters or their their own or their own uh, administrations. Um, the only two city school divisions that were allowing any sort of extracurricular activities and sports were St. James School Division and um, Seven Oaks. So we have West Kildonan and Garden City in um, for various reasons. Um, I, I various reasons we only have Westwood playing in St. James School Division. Um, so, but otherwise, a lot of our schools are either are, are private schools or from the rural areas. Yeah, just to, for people at home, the, the rest of the schools taking part are uh, St. John's Ravens Court, Lord Selkirk, uh, St. Paul's, Fort Richmond, Lorette, Steinbach, Leo Remillard, and Linden Christian. So that's, that's, your, uh, that's your Winnipeg High School Hockey League this year. That's right. Yep, it's, uh, it's very, very different, uh, but we're just – a lot of hoops to jump through and a lot of red tape to get through, but we're just absolutely thrilled that we're actually going to be able to put a product on the ice so that these kids have a place to play. Um, there's been a lot of obstacles that we have no control over um, because the, the, the school divisions and the schools themselves, I guess, if you want to call it, own the teams. So we have to abide by whatever they're doing, whereas a double-A AA or AAA or community club league doesn't have to worry about what the school divisions or the schools are going to do to dictate to make changes. So we sort of saw what we had and put a plan together, and we're ready to go. So will the uh, scheduling look similar to what it normally would in terms of how many games a team plays per week? Uh, no, it's going to look completely different. Um, our executive and our competition committee has done an amazing job of trying to um, – we, we, our, our goal here is to make the Winnipeg High School Hockey League one of the safest leagues out there to play in this time of a pandemic. And so what we have done is each team will only see one other team over a two-week period. So we've basically broken our season into two-week bubbles, if you will eight two-week bubbles. Uh, and so that means that uh, Team A will play team, team B three times within that two-week period. And the rationale is that 
if there is an outbreak in one of those schools, we only have one other school that we have to have to you know consult with contact tracing and 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 such as opposed to in regular years you could play three or four different teams in in the course of eight days so they'll play they'll play each other so to use example uh let's say st john's Ravens court is going to play lorette the first two weeks in november uh there'll be two home games and one away game and once that once that series is over if you will they won't see each other again and they'll they'll move and so on and so forth and that way we're we're limiting as much contact as we can so how long's the season then compared to normal uh it's about the same uh we don't have the mhs civil provincials that uh we have to make sure that our season is completed before those those goals those aren't happening this year so um we're about a month behind and we figure if all goes well uh, and of course depending on public health guidelines and all sorts of other things that we can't foresee coming down the way. Uh, we're, we will be finished before spring break. Well, and that's the important point when we're talking about anything sports-wise in this day and age is that you know we're all at the mercy of the virus, and right now in Manitoba we are trending in the wrong direction. So, is there at least a thought that you know there's a worry this might not actually get finished? Um, I think that's probably a worry, regardless of what sport or what league you're you're talking about um once again we are there is always that worry we we definitely are aware that this is a long shot if i think it's considered a championship if we actually finish the season without a even considering playoffs i think it's a it's a big victory for us over uh considering all the circumstances um we will follow the public guidelines we are under the umbrella of both hockey manitoba and manitoba high school athletics association so a lot of the decisions made on what's going to happen with this season will rely on them, and we will take our advice from those three bodies and move forward. And, and I, then, of course, we always have the the realistic possibility that one of the 12 schools will, or 11 schools, will indeed come to a point where they're not going to be able to play or they're going to, their, their administration is going to opt them out. And we're hopeful that that won't happen. And in the case that does happen, I guess you just take the games off the schedule? Yeah, I guess the, we'll, 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 we're going to cross that bridge when we come to it. We're hoping not to have to have that uh, have those situations. But um, obviously this year, should we get to some sort of playoffs, it's not going to be the traditional um, points and, 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 and because no, not everybody's necessarily going to play the same amount of games. So winning percentage is going to be a, a big part of that picture should we get there. Um, the other benefit of the two-week bubble is because we have both rural and city teams Obviously, it's Manitoba. We have some weather issues. They can reschedule those games within that two-week block. But if they cannot do that, then those games will just be sort of null and void. Okay. And spectator-wise, I guess, you, again, just following the, the hockey Manitoba guidelines? Yep, correct. Uh, we would, the, 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 the minimum standards, obviously, are whatever, uh, whatever the rink protocols are going to be, um, whatever their home links we've asked. Every league, every every team in our league has submitted to us um, their home facilities protocols, looking at dressing room times, accessibility times, spectator situations, etc. Um, those are all posted on our high school hockey league website, so that teams and players know what what to expect when they're heading out to, to play. Um, some schools may make their own decisions about spectators, and we will respect that. Of course, that's based on what they feel is best for their for their teams. And, of course, every team we have has a communications officer attached to it as mandated by Hockey Manitoba. 
so that we can uh, make sure we keep, we keep very accurate data about who's in those breaks. But mostly we're leaving that to the discretion of the teams. Um, it just, their communication officer has to make sure that they have accounted for every single person in that facility during that game time. Well, Dana, I appreciate your time tonight. Good luck with this, and hopefully uh, you get the season in and everyone stays safe. Thanks, Christian. You too. Stay safe, everyone. Let's move on to hockey now of the MJHL variety. Lots of games coming up this weekend. And Winnipeg Ice forward Connor McLennan, well, he had a pretty good day earlier this month when the 18-year-old from Alberta was selected 178th overall in the NHL draft by the Philadelphia Flyers. He's now spending his time waiting for the WHL season to start by suiting up with the MJHL's Blues. And Connor joins us now on the show. Connor, take us back to draft day. What was that moment like for you? Yeah, it was uh, obviously a pretty special day, I think. Um, uh, obviously a long day as well, but um, now that it's all said and done, uh, it was definitely a pretty uh, pretty cool day to, to spend that with my family and friends. So where were you and uh, what was the, I guess, the gathering size? Yeah, it was actually just my uh, my immediate family. We were just kind of sitting at home waiting and watching. Um, draft took quite a while, so um took a while to get to the sixth round, but when it did happen, it was, uh, it was a pretty cool feeling for sure. Did you have a slot in your mind, like a certain round you thought you'd go? Um, I try not to put too much emphasis on that. I kind of just hold wherever I did go. I, I just appreciate that. But, um, you know, you, you have it in the back of your mind where you want to go, but um, it doesn't really matter at the end of the day. I think um, now that my name's called, I'm, I can focus on uh, on getting better and uh, hopefully putting on a Flyers jersey one day. So now you're a Flyers fan. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> Who did you cheer for growing up? Uh, yeah, being close to Edmonton, I think uh have to cheer for the Oilers. Um, and now that they're uh, they had a pretty good core group there, so um, definitely down the stretch here, I uh, I bet they'll uh, they'll get a win here eventually. I hope. So you mentioned getting better. One of the things you're doing now is you've joined the Winnipeg Blues as you wait for the WHL season to begin. Why did you feel that was the right fit for you? Um, I think just not playing um, since January 10th from my uh, collarbone injury. I think just getting in some game action is uh, is important for my development. Um, and then uh, just coming back to Winnipeg, um, living with my billets, um, being at the rink training center, having the – having the first class development here. And uh, I think that was kind of just position a for me to, for me to come back to Winnipeg. I guess that's one of the benefits of the situation here in Winnipeg is that the, the group that owns the ice also owns the blues and you could just, you know, cross the hallway. Yeah, exactly. I, uh, I think it all worked itself out and uh, yeah, just excited to get in some games now. So do you know when your first game is going to be? Um, no, I'm not a hundred percent sure yet. Um, kind of just waiting and seeing. I've uh, been practicing all week, but I'm not sure what my first game's going to be yet. So this joining of the Blues this week was that your first like real practice since you got hurt all the way back in January? Um, right before we got shut down, I started getting put in some practices. Um, I was actually supposed to play the game um, before we got sent home due to COVID, but um, so still a pretty long time. But yeah, it was uh, this is my first practice since probably March feel good to get back on the ice like that yeah for sure i mean doing all the skill development um all summer and uh and doing that back home i think it was just a just a pretty cool feeling to get back out there and uh in a team atmosphere 
Now, obviously, the MJHL is not at the same caliber of the WHL, but what, is, what has impressed you most about the skill level, at least through some practices so far? Yeah, for sure. The Blues have a good young group, um, obviously. Um, they uh, have some guys drafted in the Western League, so um, it's definitely not a not a huge drop. I think the speed's there, um, and it's uh, it's been good. The guys have been really welcoming, so uh, yeah, I'm just excited to get in some games. And it's not just you. There are many others from the WHL that are stepping in here, so this is going to be probably the, the best the MJHL's maybe ever looked. Yeah, hopefully that's the case. I think uh, it's good for the league to uh, to get some get some guys who have played in the Western League and whatnot. It'll, it'll be some good competition for sure. So looking ahead now to January where the WHL has uh, put in its start date, you've got just over two months until then. So the plan is just to play and skate with the Blues till the WHL is ready to go? Yeah, hopefully that's uh, that's the case. I think um, whenever the WHL does start, obviously I return back to the ice. But um, after Christmas, I think that's the goal. But um, until then, my focus is uh, is winning some games with the Blues. And how does your body feel? Yeah, everything's good. Um, injuries 100% healed. I haven't had any setbacks um, all summer. And um, yeah, like I said, just uh, just looking forward to get back out there and get some game action. So for you, I guess this past summer was just working out and just chilling. Yeah, pretty much. I think uh, just just trying to get bigger and stronger. I think being an undersized guy, I think that's a pretty pretty important thing for for a guy like me is to to get bigger, stronger, and because uh, you're going against six foot two, 200 pound guy. So I think, uh, being undersized, I think that's something, um, I had to work on and I think I, I did do that. Anything else that's high on the list of, uh, improvements you think you need to make? Um, just my skating and skills. I think that's something everyone can work on. Um, I have a good trainer back home, Adam Huxley, and we worked pretty closely on, on some smaller skills and, uh, hope I can just translate that to the game now. So, now that you're here in in Winnipeg, is it basically just hockey and nothing else? Uh yeah, just that's uh, that's pretty much what I came for. Um, hopefully, get doing some uh, some college courses or whatnot to keep me busy. But my uh, my number one focus now that I'm in Winnipeg is uh, is to play for the Blues and uh, hopefully win some games with them. So you're done high school then? Yeah, yeah, graduated last season. Okay, do you know? right now what else you want to do schooling wise um no i'm not not 100 percent sure just uh see what happens i guess maybe take some smaller courses um just to kind of stay sharp but um nothing too specific right now all right well connor i appreciate you taking time to talk to us tonight good luck with the blues yeah thank you very much Kirsten. Tune in to the CGOB Sports Show weeknights from 7 to 9 with me, Christian O'Mell, or you can download the podcast on iTunes. It's actually on iTunes now. Wow. If you got an Android, then I think you're out of luck, but Apple products, you're good. So listen to the podcast. Please subscribe. You can rate it. What's the worst that could happen?